Well, it's good to be here in Penyan, right? How did you work that? You, you live in a city with your first name. My wife said, we got to find a place where there's a city called Gary, and then we can, you can, Gary, Indiana, that's true. I actually have been to Gary, Indiana. Um, my wife is here. Sheila, would you just stand? And we celebrate 35 years this year. She doesn't look that old. I do. And this little guy is my grandson. I don't know if you can see that. He's our first. He is the best, actually. Um, we travel uh, full-time extensively. Uh, most of my travel is in, obviously, North America, but I do a lot of traveling in Asia. Spend about eight months of my life in Asia now. And uh, God's just given us favor. We go to some amazing churches in Asia, Australia, like you know, China. We're actually in, in December 30th, we're flying to China for a week. And uh, we spend uh, a week with this great church, about 1,500 people. And uh, I mean, they are getting people saved, 25, 50 people a weekend getting saved and discipled. And we do some really, really crazy covert stuff. You know, they, they book us in a really five-star hotel. The, one of the business people rents a suite. And then I get a call, come on down, and I go down, and there's about 20 leaders in that room. And, and then uh, we minister to them, prophesy over them. Some of these guys have never had prophecy. And then uh, they go out two by two. I go up to my room, and then another hour later, another group of 20 comes in. And, and we do that for days on end. Uh, we went literally right into the central part of China um, this past uh, this past summer, I guess it was summer, right? And um, just had an amazing time. And God's moving in that nation, you know. I know there's lots of reports, but I'm telling you, God is moving. The Christians in China are bold. They, they're 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 not. Um, you know, sometimes the reports I think sometimes shed light on kind of you know what the government's doing. But the majority of Christians are very wise. And they're bold, but they're under the radar. You know, they just do what they do. We trained 365 leaders. For the last two years, they brought leaders from all over China into their facility. We can't do it now going back because the government finally put cameras in all their facility. But um, we, we'd literally go in and train these 365 leaders. We did about 18 We've been at about 18 or 20 hours in the last uh, two years on the prophetic and leadership. And uh, it's amazing to me to watch. Yeah, they have to personally invite them. They can't, can't like put out an email. Hey, we got a prophet coming in. They have to literally personally invite every leader to come. They have this whole network. It's, it's pretty amazing. We had... Um, one time where we were, I was with another guy and we were going to do a men's retreat and two days before the government canceled it. They heard that there were, um, you know, foreigners in the country. And so they said, okay, no problem, we'll cancel it. And then they just, one of their owners in their church canceled her. She has a, uh, an exclusive club. She shut down the whole club and then we had church there. And, uh, you know, they had this other guy was uh, Chinese Malaysian, so he was doing most of the speaking. But they put me in a back room with a good cup of tea. And basically, they brought these people in, pastors in, and just started prophesying over them. It was unbelievable. These guys from the Tibet region had never heard 
prophecy. Never had a word ever spoken in that. And the revelation, these guys were sobbing. It was so humbling, you know, to, at this stage of our lives, you know, to be able to go and minister to these men who are risking their lives for the kingdom and, and to be able to just bring a word of encouragement to them. It was, it was pretty awesome. Um, so sorry for being so emotional. Uh, you know, uh, um, I don't know if you would know this. I, I'm pastor would know this, but uh, actually September 17th, I was in Taiwan and I had a heart attack. And um, uh, I was ministering at this church and uh, I had done a full day of meetings the day before. And then uh, they, they kind of, in every church does things differently. So they, this particular church, they had individual meetings set up with all of their leaders. And I would just sit and they would come in and I would just bring a word to them. And then off they'd go, you know, say, thank you very much. Hallelujah. And, you know, hand me some mooncakes and that'd be it, you know. So that on Tuesday, um, the first couple I ministered to was a, um, he was a, emergency room doctor and his wife was a nurse and so minister to them you know thank you very much hand me some mooncakes and off they go and then I kind of started feeling a little bit of heartburn so I thought oh maybe it was the spicy food I ate the night before and um, so I said you know just give me a second and so I grabbed some milk and you know wolf that down brought the next couple in as I'm ministering to them I start having a heart attack so I just start prophesying about the heart over these people. I was just calling every scripture I could remember about the heart, you know. And uh, so then I finished, kind of slumped down in my chair, and I said, okay, I, I think I'm done for the day. I think I need to go back to my hotel. Maybe I got some, you know, severe case of the heartburn and of heartburn. And, and um, one of the pastors came in, and she goes, I don't think this is it. She said, I'm going to call that doctor. And he came. He was just leaving the building. He came in. He asked me some questions. He said, you're, ha you're having an angina attack. I said, what's that? He goes, you're having a heart attack. He said, we need to go. And so within three minutes, I was at the best cardiac hospital. This guy, uh, the attending physician um, in the emergency room was a personal friend of this guy. This guy spoke complete English to me. And so within, like, I, they put me on EKG or ECG, whatever they call that thing, and it was confirmed that I had a heart attack, and I was actually still in the midst of uh, some real severe issues. So uh, within, you know, a half hour, I was hooked up, and then they started doing blood work, and basically my enzyme levels were going up uh, higher and higher, and uh, basically said, hey, we need to admit you to CCU. And my wife had just left. She'd left on, t on Sunday. So I call her. It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon, my time, but it's uh, on Tuesday. But it's 1 o'clock in the morning, Monday night for her. Was it Monday night? Yeah, Monday night. So I said, hey, um, don't want to alarm you, but I've had a heart attack. I'm in the hospital. So, you know, God was good, right? For the first maybe 26 hours, I honestly did not know if I was going to live because it was just, there was so much going on, so much pain, so much, uh, you know, they basically found three, the three arteries were all blocked. So one was 99%, that's where I had my heart attack, and the other two, one was 50 and 70. And so, um, 
Yeah, God's good. You know, they did a stent. Uh, while my wife was actually flying over, um, they did an a intervention. It was an amazing thing watching the doctor operate on your heart. I was on big screen TV. And he's like, okay, you should feel something right now. Yeah, I do. I said, I feel pressure. He goes, I'm blowing a balloon up in your artery. I said, I feel some more pressure. He goes, I'm putting a stent in right now. Okay, we're done. And then, okay, let's show you. And then, like, you know, all the pictures come up. And he says, there it is. And so I'm happy to be alive. And I'm happy to be here. So uh, God is good. My doctor here, my cardiologist basically has... Um, you know, giving me a full uh, spectrum of tests. I passed every test. The beautiful thing, there was no damage to my heart, which is uh, awesome. And we're believing God for miracles. Uh, you know, he, technically I have, they, they diagnose it mild, moderate, and severe. So I have moderate heart disease. So we've been taking communion uh, every day, believing in the Lord. And uh, I told the devil when I was laying in bed that night, um, not sure what was going to happen. I said, you just picked the wrong guy. I said, we've seen so many miracles um, I'm going after miracles even more. I'm going after healing. So I just want you to know I'm going to believe God for heart disease to be broken and healed in people's lives. We have so many miracles in our history. Um, I actually am uh, I'm not an original Canadian. My wife is like four generations Canadian. I was actually born in England. Um, I, I'm only English at the World Cup and the Olympics at <laughs> the time. But I'm an Englishman. I live in Canada. I've lived in Canada 52 years, um, so I am a Canadian. Uh, that's, that's where our home is. But we spend literally uh, eight months of our life in Asia right now. So um, pastor asked me to kind of, he, he gave me like maybe three things to just kind of drill down on you tonight. And then what I'll try to do is finish by um, roughly around 8 o'clock, and then we can take some questions, and then we'll jump out and prophesy over a bunch of you if we can, okay? I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm trying to do a new norm here because Asians, uh, any Asians in the room? I love Asians. I, I, when I, you know, Canada's a multicultural con- country, and so when I see Asians, I go, they're my people. They are my people. Um, so I love Asia, but Asians work. And so um, I go to this one church, to give you an example, I go to this one church, there's like, uh, it's about 20,000 people. And so they have 25 to 3,000 leaders. And so the first time I went, um, I was there for 13 days, and the pastor scheduled me for 16 meetings. I said to my wife, I said, that seems like a lot, you know, like. But, you know, 16 meetings, maybe one or two a day. I said, okay, you know, I can, I can do that. The first meeting, I met with his staff of 300 and uh, shared 15 minutes and then prophesied over, you know, eight or 10 people. And as we're walking out, he said, you're going to get busier. I said, what are you talking about? I got 16 meetings in 13 days. He just said, you're going to get busier. And so uh, by the time I was done, I had 42 meetings of that ranged anywhere from 18 to 22 people in a meeting and just prophesying. So I figured I wouldn't recommend that. I'm not really proud of it, but, but that's the culture. It's just like, you know, so I've had to put some restrictions and, you know, try to figure out my, my new normal because uh, 
literally this year, I would say I've probably prophesied over six to 7,000 people personally, one-on-one. -on -one. So I wouldn't recommend that. That probably caused my heart attack. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, a little bit about my background in the supernatural. Um, I got saved when I was seven. My parents got saved when I was seven. They were Catholics, uh, didn't really know God at all, but our, we, got in, we got actually invited our kid, my sister and my brother and I, I'm a twin, my brother and I, and we got invited to go to this church. And so Pentecost, small little Pentecostal church, and we started going and we loved it. You know, my parents, I don't really have any recollections of them, uh, you know, before seven in the sense of I, I, I figured they were probably hung over and my sister dressed us. She was five years older than us and we went to church, you know. But um, eventually my parents got saved and they were all in. I mean, my parents were literally all into God. And so I remember as a young man, young man, young kid, uh, under the pews sleeping while my parents were up at the altar crying out to God. And that's kind of, you know, I just remember that. When I was 10, I, I have this distinct memory that uh, if, if I would say the name, do you know Catherine Coleman? You've heard of the name Catherine Coleman? So I remember going to a Catherine Coleman's meeting. And, and I just have this memory. I remember people getting out of wheelchairs. I remember literally thousands of people just falling under the power of God. And so I said to my mom, just literally like a few months ago, I said, Mom, I... Every time I teach on the Holy Spirit, I bring up Catherine Coleman and I use this, you know, because she was a little strange, right? She'd come in the room, hallelujah, you know, and like just the presence of God would come. She'd wear these outfits that like she'd hold her hands up like that and there'd be like angel wings, right? She's just a really different lady, but she was a powerful lady and people got healed and it was amazing. And so I said, mom, tell me that, like, this is the why recollection. We stood outside the O'Keefe Center for hours, and then I saw her. He goes, she goes, no, no, no. The story is we stood out there for hours after church, and we got to the edge of the door, and they closed the door on us. There was 13 of us. And so we were praying, God, should we go? Should we stay? And we just felt we need to stay. And like five minutes later, this guy said, you 13, come on with me. And, he, and he, they put us right on the stage. And she said, you were literally, if you stretched out your hand, you could have touched Catherine Coleman. So I don't remember. Like, I did a lot of drugs when I, when I, I backslid when I was 12. And then from 12 till about almost 18, I was just hardcore druggy. You know, uh, I mean, a lot of nasty stuff. So I did a lot of drugs. So I don't have a lot of memories. But I had this distinct memory. And she said, oh, yeah. She said, she was right in front of you. She, you saw people get out of wheelchairs. So that marked me. It, it, it's, it's, it stayed in my life the whole, all my life. Even when I was in, like, one weekend, I took nine hits of acid. I was so stoned out of my mind, I literally thought I was going to die. Um, and as, I, as I'm just kind of like a, before the walking dead, I was the walking dead. Like, a, I was just doing this. I was just like walking, trying to kind of stay awake. And I was just zoned out. I was drunk. I was stoned out of my mind. And God started speaking to me. It was not a hallucination. God Almighty started speaking to me. So even in my drunken, stoned out, you know, cocaine, whatever, 
stupor, God was speaking to me all through that. And I remember that particular moment. It was, uh, it was in uh, like an, uh, the September long weekend, Labor Day weekend in Canada. And we were up at Wasega Beach and the Lord spoke to me and said, look at your life. Like we were in this kind of campsite and I was in just where they drive the cars back and forth. And I was just kind of walking zombied. Everybody was kind of stoned out of their mind. And there was a light at the end of the roadway. And I heard God say to me, you come to the light. If you'll come and serve me, I'll do something with your life. I literally went back to the car to my backslidden Pentecostal friend and told him, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus. And he swore at me and told me, let's smoke another joint. And we smoked another joint. But that, from that moment till October 21st is when I gave my heart to Christ. I had multiple near-death experiences. I, the night before I gave my heart to Christ, at 8.45, I was with my friends. These three guys jumped in our car. Uh, I was the peacemaker, get out of my car, and one of them jumped me, beat the tar out of me, and then put a gun at my, at my head. At that moment, 8.45, my mom was at a prayer meeting praying, God, whatever it takes, bring my boys home. So that night, I'm getting held up gunpoint. The next night, I literally give my heart to Christ. The night I give my heart to Christ, my brother calls me, and says, get dad on the phone, I'm in jail. And within months, both of us got saved. Now, my brother's still far away from God, but at that moment. And so um, then, literally January 5th, I'm not even 18. I'm just, I turn 18 January 28th, just if you need to know that, you know, write that down. <laughs> but January 5th, 1981, I'm, 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 I'm a new Christian. Like, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure this all out. I'm saying, God, are you real? You know, like, I know you're real, but, like, what do you want to do with my life? And I heard God say this to me, an audible voice. I heard, go into the ministry. Now, I'd done a lot of drugs. And so I thought I was going to work for the government. I knew it was not going to be the ministry of education. But it may be the ministry of works, parks, recreation. No problem. That's what we call our, our government, Ministry of Education. So I went upstairs and said, Mom, I'm going to work for the government. She goes, what are you talking about? I said, I heard God say, go into the ministry. So she goes, you're supposed to go to Bible college. I said, what? I said, I can't even get out of high school. I was flunking out of high school. I actually flunked out of high school. I did not graduate from high school. And so, you know, my, my mom says, you need to apply. And so I said, okay, fine. You know, so I applied. And I got this beautiful letter saying, eh, no, you're not, we don't, we don't want your kind. And, uh, and, but I had a pastor who believed in me, actually, and he, he called the register. And he said, look, if this boy isn't in your school in September, I'm pulling all my money and all my students. We had about 18 students going there. So the next week I got a letter, congratulations, <laughs> you know, on this condition that I had to graduate from high school before I graduated from Bible college. So literally, 
uh, I've since changed my procrastinating ways, but two months before I graduated from Bible college, I graduated from high school, and then I graduated from Bible college, and we've been in the ministry ever since. In, uh, so my prophetic thing was in 1984, we got introduced to um, the prophetic. Uh, my parents had sh- shifted churches at this point, and, and uh, they were with this guy who was from California, and this guy was a prophet, and I remember thinking to myself, what is this? I mean, he was reading my mail. I mean, he was telling me stuff that I was thinking, how did you know that? Like, Mom, did you tell him that? And she goes, I didn't tell him a thing, right? And then uh, in 1985, my wife and I, I had met my wife. We got engaged. And uh, we had what we call presbytery meetings. I don't know if you know what presbytery meetings are. So to me, there's different levels of the prophetic tomorrow. We'll maybe talk about those. But... um, so my first presbytery meeting, my pastor, it's literally my first church. We had, I'd moved down to, back to Toronto. I was living in a place called Tilsonburg. That's where I met my wife. I said, that's the only thing that came out of Tilsonburg is I met my wife. I was there for 10 months. It was like hell on earth. And, um, and so I met my wife. But I'm, I'm in the church. I'm just first, first literally service. And the pastor came to me and said, hey, we're going to prophesy over to You're going to go through presbytery. I said, what's that? He goes, just relax. I know. I said, is this guy going to tell me about my sins? Like, what is this going on? He goes, Gary, just relax. And literally, the first guy that gets called up is me. And so this guy from Ireland named Barry White, not the singer. I mean, this guy starts prophesying over me. I mean, he did past, present, and future. I mean, he said things, little phrases that I would, I, I've had said to me and things I would say. It was amazing. And at the end of that prophecy, he said this. He said, you're going to travel the world. You're going to preach in conferences. You're going to prophesy with an abandonment. And you're going to be a spokesman for God. Then the next guy came up and said, and you're not going to travel alone. And I'm going to birth it in your spouse. We weren't even married. And he said, you're going to be a, you're going to be a couple that will be used mightily of God. Well, I was 22. I knew nothing. So I say, then for the next 28 years, the only traveling I was doing was to the grocery store for my wife. (laughs) But God preserved us, helped us, and now I travel the world. In the last five years, we've gone to 25 countries We've gone to most of those countries multiple times. So like Singapore, I've gone 20 times to Singapore in five years. I, we have a base now in Singapore. First time we went to Singapore, we met a couple, and they, we stayed at their house. And uh, at the end of it, they said, hey, we really believe God's going to open Asia to, you, Asia to you. So here's the key. You can use our house. Stay here anytime. Come for vacation. Whatever you want, it's yours. And like this is a beautiful house. I mean, this, this is like... It's a two-bedroom condo overlooking the Marina Bay. I mean, it's just spectacular. We, it's like our home. They're never there. I said, just give it to me, you know? <laughs> so um, so that, that's kind of our early prophetic journey, right, of kind of how we got into the prophetic. And, and my wife is a gifted musician, uh, a pianist. And so, I mean, before she knew what a prophetic song was, she was singing prophetic songs. 
That's just kind of who she is, right? So the next question pastor asked me is like, like how have I cultivated the prophetic in my life? So I want to give you some scriptures because you guys would know these scriptures, but 1 Corinthians 14, 39 says, therefore desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to be speaking in tongues. So to me, that's where it started for me. I just desired to prophesy. I remember, I, like, I just got to say, 17 years old, I was on fire for God, and I started reading the Bible, and the Bible said desire to prophesy. So I didn't even know what that meant. I went up, I literally, I remember this, the first time I went up to prophesy in my church. Now, there was some problems going on in the church, and this is what kind of shifted my parents out of the church. My parents were elders in the church, and there was some problems with the pastor's wife because she was, she was actually losing her mind, literally, and, and so there were some problems. So I was just this young guy going to Bible college, and so it said desire to prophesy. So I went up, and, I, I, and the pastor handed me the mic, and I, you know, I, start, you know, I start doing whatever, what I'm supposed to do. I, you know, I really feel God wants to do this. And he started speaking over me as I was prophesying. So I stopped. I waited until he was finished. And then I started prophesying again, and then he'd speak over me. He was, like, interrupting me. So finally, I just said, okay, I'm done. I went back to my chair, and I opened my Bible. I said, what was that? And the Lord spoke to me and, and through the scripture and said, everything must be de- decently and in order. And he said, he said, he literally said to them, you were in order. It's okay. I'm going to teach you now. And so that was literally my first <laughs> introduction. But I still had this desire to prophesy. And then we got connected to this other prophet who trained me. And so I remember the first time I prophesied in that church. He came to me after. He said, man, that was a great word. I said, awesome. He goes, listen, can you meet with me on Tuesday? And we'll sit down and we'll talk about it. I said, sure. I said, that's awesome. And so when I got there, he had two sheets printed out of the prophecy. He had his copy and my copy. Gave me a pen. He said, okay, now let's go through this. And they'd say, scratch that out, will you? Okay. Scratch that out, will you? Yep. Scratch that out with you. And he just kept asking me to scratch things out. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, Jesus, there's nothing here. <laughs> and then he said, now read it. And it was an amazing thought. And he said, now listen, you said, thus saith the Lord 14 times. Stop that. And you, and you said, my little children, like, knock that off too. And then he'd say, you know, you said, you know, he, he gave him all these different phrases. And he said, like, just cut that out. Just get to the heart of the matter. And all of a sudden, that's kind of, that was my beginning of tr- being trained to uh, prophesy. And so most of the time back then, we just did corporate prophecy, right? We had a mic, somebody come up and, and prophesy. Now, I'd, I do a, a lot more personal prophecy. So you got to have a desire to prophesy. So I have literally about 75 books on the gifts of the Spirit and prophecy in my library. I've gone to prophetic conferences. I mean... I've, I, I've, I've, I've literally, in our early days, instead of going on vacation, we went to conferences. We could have gone to the beach, but we, we just had this desire to want to grow and get around prophets. So I had a few prophet friends, but you know, this guy introduced me to a few prophet friends. And, and so whenever I could, I would go to them, sit down with them, talk with them, pick their brain. How do you do that? Why do you do that? You know, da, 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 da. And so that was the initial 
of cultivating the gifts. So my encouragement to you is when you have moments, have, have opportunities to just grow as much as you can. Because in the early years, I didn't do hardly any prophecy. I, you know, maybe some public prophecy, but not what I do today. And, but, I, but I took that season of training to equip me and grow and develop my own personal walk with God and letting God speak to me and, and uh, you know, testing it. And, you know, I'd, I'd go in with a word and just kind of wait, 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 not share it. And just, just see, is this what, where we're going this morning? And two or three people would literally prophesy what I had written down that morning. And so that was a confirmation. Okay, I'm hearing from God. I'm, I'm learning how to hear the voice of God. So then 1 Timothy 4, uh, 14 and 15 says, Don't neglect the gift that's within you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. That word progress is the word advance. That your advancement uh, would be made, uh, to, given to all evidence. So the idea of neglecting is to be careless, not care to make light of. So let me give you the, uh, I was talking with a pastor friend of mine. He's got a great church in, in uh, just outside of Hamilton. And we had lunch with him the other day and he was talking to me about Asia and, you know, he's been to Brazil. You've been, you've been to different parts of the world. The level of hunger in other parts of the world is so different than the level of hunger in North America. And uh, for me, the biggest thing that I see where the level of hunger is, is in the prophetic, in, in, in the supernatural, believing God for the supernatural, the Holy Spirit. When I give a word, let's say, in North America, and I go to good churches. I mean, I don't really go to bad churches, you know. I mean, if I do, it's probably the last time I'm going to that bad church. Most of the churches I'm going, I go to good churches. So they're great churches, great leaders, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not, you know, I'm not saying they're, they're bad churches in that sense. But in, what I found in North America, and I've seen it in our own church. We have lots of prophetic ministry over the years that have come in. People get a prophecy. And they go, oh, great, oh, great. And then they kind of just kind of, they listen to it. And maybe, you know, the first couple of weeks, it's great. And then that's it. You know, it's like, oh, it's, I got a prophecy. In, North, in, in Asia, well, this is what happens to me all the time. Uh, just happened to me. I, got a, I get emails. I get um, Facebook. I get Instagram posts. Um, one person said, hey, pastor, um, I've been, you prophesied over me two years ago. And I've been listening to that. I've probably listened to that to maybe 50, 60 times now. And by the word, I just want you to know, this in the word has come to pass. And, but pastor, I'm still believing for this. I get that all the time. I get literally people come up to me and saying, um, listen, uh, I have the recording of your prophecy on my phone. And I, I've been really praying through. And, you know, initially when I heard it, it didn't make sense. But now I'm in this season and it's making sense. They literally carry them on their phones. I have, uh, I, and so I think this is one of the things that we need to do better stewarding our prophecies. How many have ever gotten a prophecy? Yeah. So you're probably well taught. But I, I, I don't think prophecy personally should ever be put on a shelf. Because that's where dust grows. I actually think prophecy should be stewarded. God calls us to be stewards. And so we can't make prophecy happen. 
but we can definitely hold on to it. We can definitely meditate on it. If we believe, listen, we believe this to be the word of God, right? Right? This is the word of God. And ultimately, yes, this is the scripture. We're not adding scripture to it. But we also believe if we only just say the, this is the word of God, then we limit God's ability to speak to us. So I believe God can speak through leadership. I have leaders in my life. They speak into my life all the time. Well, it's not the word, but God says that's how leaders speak into our lives. So when a leader is speaking into our life, it, it, it get that weight, the weight of their words, if I have the right heart, can impact me and change me and shift my life into a new direction. Come on, do we believe that? And so why would we not believe that about prophecy? So uh, everything that I'm doing today started by a word from God. It wasn't my initiative. I wasn't too smart enough to do that. But I, it's, it's initiated by God. And so I think we need to make sure that we meditate, ourse- meditate on it and give ourselves. So let me give you an example. Um, I think it was maybe two years ago, I was in Australia. Uh, I wasn't actually slated to be ministering at all, but this pastor, um, we got connected, and they were having prophetic meetings. And so he said to me, hey, you want to jump in and help us? I said, sure, no problem. So they formed a line uh, of, of, there was these other, this couple that were ministering, and so I got in a line, and I just started ministering to people. And at the end, the couple came to me and said, hey, we got a word for you. And so they gave me this word. It was a very intense word, very, um, you know, kind of presbytery style word. And in the word, they said two things that um, one I'd never heard before. And the second was, um, okay, great. So the first one was, uh, I see you on TV. Now, I have a face for radio. But they said, I see you on TV, Right. And so I'm okay with that. So, Jesus, you got to help me, you know. Um, the guys in Taiwan have hooked me up with this, like, hair guy. They want to put my hair in. I'm saying, like, 56. Come on. What? No. Anyways, um, I digress. So um, it's TV. And then the guy said, prepare yourself for the U.K. and Wales. So I'm from the UK. I've never, never done any ministry in the UK. Only know one guy in the UK. He's a pastor. But we've lost touch for 25 years. I mean, Facebook. Hey, happy birthday. That's it. We don't talk. I don't even know where he is now. Right? So, but the word was prepare. So what do I do with that? Well, I prepare. I set my heart. It becomes part of my prayer journal. It becomes part of my meditation. Holy Spirit, I just, I, I just, I'm ready, you know, and I'm praying, and I'm just waiting on God. Two weeks later, I'm at this large church, and there's a guy from England right there. So I'm thinking, England, UK, this is God's connection. So he connects with me, and then I never hear from him again. So I'm like, okay, okay, you know, God, just hold on, you know, just pray. And, and then last, was it last year? This year. No, it was this year. Yeah, this year, uh, I had a cancellation in my schedule. I'm booked, I'm almost booked all of 2020 next year. So um, I had a cancellation in February, two weeks. So I said to my wife, take him one week off, and I'll, I'll hit up one of my friends, and they'll, be, they'll take pity on me. And so um, out of the blue, this guy from England messages me on Facebook and says, hey, do you have any time in February? 
I said, I do. I have, I have a week off. And he goes, okay. This, I said, this is the only time I have off. So he says, give me a few days. A couple days later, I get an email from a pastor in Wales. <laughs> Gary, we'd love to have you come that weekend. Uh, we'll cover your flights. We'll put you up. We'll give you a good honorarium. Looking forward to having you. So then I think, well, hey, um, why don't I tell this guy? My mom lives there now. My mom got remarried, and so she's, she's living there. I said, why don't we make a vacation? I'll ask this guy, hey, why don't I come to your church on Sunday, and then we'll figure out what we're going to do in the week. We'll hang out in England for a week, and then we'll do Wales. And uh, so he says to me, well, I, I got to be in Ireland. So why don't you come to Ireland? I said, Sure, let's go to Ireland. Because the guy who first prophesied about traveling lives in Ireland, and we were going to his church. So I was like, let's do it, right? So then, you know, a week before, Ireland fell, falls through, but my Wales guy says, I've got a friend in Scotland. You go and do that. So in, in, in a week, literally, in two years, we're ministering in Wales and Scotland. So now, this year, coming, 2020... I got invited by a Singaporean to go and teach at the Bible College of Wales, where Reese Howells originally started it. So I'm going to teach a whole week there and do back-to-back -back weekends in Wales, right? So listen, God initiates a word, but we have to steward it in our spirit, amen? Amen. Can't make it happen, but I got a crazy story to tell you. I'll tell you um, in a little bit. So um, let me give you another scripture. 2 Timothy 1, 6 to 7. It says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. But So that word stir means to kindle, right? It means to keep in full flame. The gift uh, will die through neglect if you don't stir your gift. Now listen, there was uh, my journey is I'm, I've been in, in the prophetic for 35 years. But there was a period of time, literally 10 years, where I hardly prophesied at all. I was actually, at one point, asked, don't prophesy. Okay, so what do you do when that happens? Right? You're in a local church, and they're asking you, don't prophesy. So you, that's a test, right? So I said, okay, no problem. I won't prophesy. I mean, I had people come up... Can you see God for me? No, you know, you see God for yourself, you know? Because if I prophesy, it's going to get back, and then, then I'm the, the rebel of the group, and, you know, God's teaching me something. God's teaching me to submit my gift and submit my ministry and my life and do a new season. I was doing other things, too, and, and, uh, and so, you know, what do you do in a case like that? Well, I had some friends who would call me out and say, hey, can you go? And with the approval of my leadership, they said, hey, yeah, you can go. And so I would go out and I would, I mean, the gift was there. I was prophesying. Words were coming to pass. Miracles were happening. Then I'd go back to my church. Hallelujah. Praise God. Right? So you got you to gotta keep stirring your gift, right? Now, literally, I mean, there isn't a week go by where I don't prophesy sometimes uh, over 100 people, 200 people. So you got to learn to stir your gift, right? If you don't stir your gift, uh, you'll, you'll, you, it, it just goes dormant, right? So, like, I haven't prophesied now. When, when was the last time I prophesied? Because I, I, I've been out ministering, but I don't think 
maybe last Saturday I prophesied. Yeah, I think it was last Saturday, right? We were with Frank and Chris. So I prophesied last Saturday, but I hadn't prophesied literally for like six weeks because I'm just working through my heart attack, maybe prophesying to myself, you know. Um, but what do I do? I just stir my gift, stir the gift, start praying in this Holy Spirit and begin to stir my gift and boom, it's there, right? So you gotta stir your gift. Come on, say stir your gift. And then uh, just one more scripture. Second uh, Chronicles 20, 20, it says, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established and believe his prophets and you shall prosper. So God wants us to prosper, but it's prosper why, why we believe the prophets. Um, 1985, we got married. A few years later, uh, we decided, hey, let's have children. Uh, we were starting for, uh, to try to have kids. Uh, eight months go by, nothing's happening. I mean, stuff was happening, but not, no results. And, um, you know, and uh, so we went up to prayer. We went up to the front. What do you do in a situation like that? We went to, to the front for prayer. We told nobody we were struggling. And our pastor, he looked at my wife and he said, Sister, I see you going to a shelf. I see you taking something off and putting it back on. He said, put it on the shelf, close the door, go about the work of the ministry. God's seasons were not man's seasons. God's timing was not man's timing. But you will know that you will know that surely I, the Lord, have undertaken. So we settled it. Okay, we're not going to worry about it. We're going to believe that that's a baby, and we're going, to, we're going to believe it. And so we just said, we're going to believe the prophets. A month later, we found out that I was born sterile, that we were never going to have children. That was the doctor's word to us. I remember, does anybody remember cassette tapes? Still have them. All right. One day, a cassette tape will come back. No. Um, I had a cassette tape of the prophecy. I remember my wife was at home weeping and sobbing, and I, I pulled off to the side of the road after work and put it in the, the disc, and I listened to it. I remember sitting there crying, saying, okay, God, I choose to believe in the word of the Lord. I will believe the prophets. And then we just started a journey. Year one, year two, nothing. Up and down, roller coaster every month. We did pregnancy tests coming out of our yin-yang. I mean, it was just crazy. Nothing. Two years in, we, we buy a house, and in that house was a boy's room, decorated in a boy's room. So we had one name, Joshua Joel. And we put that name on the door, and we began to call him in. We'd say, Joshua you're going to be an awesome man of God. Joshua, you're going to be a musician. Joshua, you are going to prophesy. Joshua, you are going to preach God's word. Joshua, you're going to be good looking like your dad. <laughs> and we just kept praying. We had two failed adoptions, held the babies in our hand. Year three, year four goes by. Year five goes by. Nothing's happening. And then one day, my wife, had, she had a baby grand piano, and she had these cloth diapers that were like, you know, a dollar. And she said, don't use them, only for my piano, to dust my piano. I needed a paint cloth, so I used one. Let's say we had a manifestation that day, and it wasn't a God <laughs> manifestation. She just went crazy on me. 
I, all along, we'd say, are you okay, honey? Yeah, I'm doing good. God's good, you know. And, but that day, that was the tipping point. Something happened. She was just freaking out on me. I said, honey, something's not right. You got to go pray. So you go upstairs. I'll pray down here. I prayed for two minutes. I knew I wasn't the problem this time. <laughs> An hour later, she came downstairs, and she said, I'm mad at you. I'm mad at God, and I'm mad at the prophets. So well, what are we going to do? Come on, let's pray. So we just prayed, and we called Joshua in. So Joshua, you will come forth in the name of Jesus. A month later, she had gotten real sick, um, bed, bed sick, actually. And, um, and she said to me, hey, I don't have my monthly cycle. So we got a pregnancy test on a Saturday night. And we did that test, and it turned positive. So then we're like, what's this? So I called my sister, who's a believer, and she goes, you know, don't get your hopes up. I, you know, you know. I said, no, 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 Josh is coming forth. We went to some friend's house. They had a pregnancy test. The next morning we got up and did that. Nothing. It was negative. Then my wife started spotting. So I went out and got another test. Did it? Nothing. What do you do? Went to the church that morning, sitting in the front row, weeping. I said, God, if it's not now, it will be, because I choose to believe. I choose to believe the word of the Lord. So we got home, got another test. When we got home that morning, that afternoon, the second test that we had done that morning had turned positive. The next test turned positive. We now got two more. Why not? Let's spend $1,000. <laughs> and so we did two more tests. By the time we had five positive pregnancy tests, we went to our doctor. He had never seen my reports. He was a brand new doctor to us. And he said, I thought you guys couldn't get pregnant. He wouldn't actually even believe my wife was pregnant, even though the blood test came back and said she was pregnant. And so the next week he came, uh, she took my report in. He read my report. He looked at my wife and he said, look, I got to ask you this question. Is this your husband's baby? <laughs> she said, doctor, said, first of all, we're Christians. Second of all, he's the only man I've ever been with. And third, you're about to see a miracle and his name will be Joshua Joel. He wouldn't believe she was even pregnant until he saw a nine-week ultrasound. Nine weeks later, we see a baby there. We didn't do baby reveals back then, right? Blue balloons, pink balloons, didn't do anything like that. We just knew it's going to be a boy. His name's going to be Joshua Joel. December 1st, 1993, we gave birth to an eight, well, I didn't. She gave birth <laughs> to an eight-pound, three-ounce baby boy named Joshua Joel. You know, he's 26 now, turning 26 this, this month, next, you know, a couple days. And um, he plays every instrument, piano, drums, guitar, leads worship. Last night, led worship. He preaches. He prophesies. He's way better looking than me. <laughs> you know, he's way better looking than me. Listen, you got to believe God, right? You got to believe God. So, man, I had much more to share, but I hope that kind of gives you a little bit. Any questions? Like, just pop, throw some questions at me. I finished by eight, and then we'll jump out. Let me tell you a little bit more about our journey, and then you can ask some questions. I go into now at this point. Uh, so we go to large, really large churches in Asia, you know, 
20,000, 15,000, uh, you know, some amazing churches in all over Asia. But one of the things we do, too, is we work with business people. So I've met multimillionaires, billionaires. I, I've probably met eight or ten billionaires, um, you know, sit with them and just prophetically counsel them. I've, I've sat with U.S. Senator um, who called me. Uh, first time I met him, prophesied over him, like just read his mail, you know, and we're not even of the same political persuasion. Um, when he got reelected in 2016, he, I, you know, we're Facebook friends, so I texted him, hey, Senator, congratulations. He said, hey, can I call you? I said, sure, call me, and, and call me at this time. And so he calls me, and he goes, hey, I had a dream. I don't have the answer. I need you to interpret it. I was like, what? <laughs> I don't even have dreams, you know. I have visions, but I don't have dreams. And, and he goes, no. I said, okay, Senator, let's pray. So I prayed. I said, tell me what, you're, what it is. As soon as he began, just like that screen back there, he, a screen came in, and I saw the answers. He started writing. I'm not even listening to what he's saying. I'm just writing what, what God showed me. I said, this is what it is, Senator. Do, 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 do. And on the other end, he's like, I don't know. I don't know if I could do this. I said, Senator, remember when I was sitting in your office like two years ago and I prophesied, isn't this part of the prophecy coming to pass? He goes, yeah, it is. I said, well, God's already spoken it. Come on, just believe it. And so he goes, okay, Gary. And two weeks later, sent me a video of the exact dream coming to pass in his life so you know we we do some crazy stuff we went into just recently went into a high exclusive jewelry company i mean it was so exclusive they had security guards one door opens you go in the next door close that door closes another door opens and the like the crown jewels are there i mean it's just unbelievable i said don't get your credit card we don't have enough uh, on there you're just looking today you know like we're talking million two million dollar pieces of jewelry uh, kings and queens come to this place. And the owner's a Christian. And she says, hey, you're my first. Uh, I, I brought, bring all of my chief executives from all over the world. Uh, they're in this week. And you're the first meeting. I want you to go in there and just prophesy over them. Oh, by the way, there's 14 of them. 10 are not saved. <laughs> what? So I said, okay. So I, I just have this kind of spiel that I do in Asia just because Asians are a little bit more, they're, they're really obviously into the supernatural and superstitious. So I say, hey, my name's Gary. I'm not a fortune teller. I can't tell your fortune. But God has thoughts. And God has great thoughts. The Bible says he's got good thoughts towards you and he's got a great future for you. How many want to know God's, what God thinks about him? Every hand goes up. I said, well, what I do is I just come behind you and I just listen and whatever God tells me, I'll give you. Is that okay? Yeah. And I said, now you got to have your phone out. So you got to record it. Okay. Okay. All right. Great. Great. And so then, then I start prophesying and like, it's amazing to see people who's like, <laughs> start crying, unsaved people, <laughs> God just reading their mail. It's, it's pretty awesome. So I, I have a real philosophy that prophecy shouldn't just be for the church inside. It should be out in the streets. And, uh, you know, I've got tons and tons of stories where that's related. So any questions? Yeah. Yeah, so 
Um, I think I think personally, they're both linked together. I, I don't. Uh, I, so I have uh, one of my thoughts here was I have some of these prophetic protocols, and uh, so the, really the first thought that I had in my prophetic these are things that I kind of live by. First one is always share God's thoughts in love, and it's always got to be encouraging. Even when I have a, a word, let's say, so I, I, I have this uh, philosophy. I don't know if you would, uh, you can correct anything when I leave, but I have this philosophy that first is like the spirit of prophecy, right? Like, so there's, there's four levels of prophecy. This is the scripture, prophetic scriptures, right? So uh, this demands an immediate obedience, right? When God says something from this, you got to obey. There is no like, well, I don't know. It's, you know, it's not, I don't feel it. Too bad. You got to obey. It's the, it's the prophetic scriptures. And God's not adding to this. So that is the first. And every prophecy that we speak to people should come out of this and should line up with this. So that's, uh, you know, low-level prophecy. You know, one of the things I always kind of bugs me is sometimes is people who get these, like, big grandiose pictures. You know, I see birds and trees and mountains and rivers and valleys and and there's no, okay, what, okay, what does that mean? Like, how do I apply that to my life? Right? Whereas I like just, I always tend to like getting a scripture and then jumping from the scripture and prophesying because it brings substance. I'm not saying you can't use mountains because the Bible talks about mountains, right? So I see a mountain in your life and it's going to melt like wax. And well, that's a scripture too, right? So always use the scripture. Um, so then there's the, what I would call the spirit of prophecy where you're in a prophetic meeting or you're in a, you're in a, you're in the church and there's just this beautiful presence of God. The spirit of prophecy comes. Anybody who's spirit filled could prophesy. You can give a word of encouragement to somebody. You know, everybody needs encouragement, right? And so I, I think that's where the spirit of prophecy kind of comes and lines up. Then there's the gift of prophecy where I, I'm not of the camp where everybody has the gift of prophecy. I think God specifically says the spirit wills who, who wants to give the gift. So there are some who have high-level gifts of prophecy. And so at any time, they don't have to have a spirit of prophecy. They can just stir up their gift and begin to prophesy. And prophecy is twofold. It, it, one's foretelling and foretelling. I always get these mixed up. But I, I really believe like foretelling is really more for high-level gifted people and the office of the prophecy uh, prophet speaking into the future, right? Like you're going to do this and this and this and this. That's really high-level prophecy. Foretelling is now words. It's encouraging words. It's most of the prophecy that I would do in these small groups, I wouldn't say most, a lot of it is now words. Like, Right now, I, I've, I've um, in my growth in prophecy, I, I've done a lot of presbytery prophecy, high-level presbytery, but it's over leaders, and it's, it's ministering about their future and life words, and, but that's not generally what's going to happen in the everyday world. I mean, if you really want to function in a great way touching society, you've got to have a voice of encouragement and love that speaks to something now in their heart, like a word of knowledge about something that they're struggling with so you can pray over them. That's the word of impact. So that's where I would say foretelling is more encouraging. Foretelling is more prophetic. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question?
And then the last level is the office of a prophet where, to me, uh, like Paul says, prophecy is edification, exhortation, and comfort. So those three things should all done, be done from a spirit of love and care. And, um, you know, again, this is, again, my philosophy. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for 35 years. So even though I, everybody come, you know, in Asia, they say the prophets, you know, I go to this black church, the prophets in the house. Well, I'm just Gary. Like, you know, I don't need a title. But I know my function and I know my calling in that. So for me, I'm going to operate in those three areas. But then there's also what I would say is, you know, correction, direction comes out of the office of a prophet. And so if you really want to function well and develop yourself, stay within the boundaries of those first three, edification, exhortation, and comfort. Don't try to direct people and tell people this and da-da-da-da, because then what if it doesn't come to pass? Well, then, you know, to me, in my early years, I did hardly any of that. It was just more encouraging, building faith, encouraging people, strengthening them, and then now it's, you know, it's, it's gotten even in greater measures, the, the other levels have taken place. I think that's the development of, of a person. I'm not saying it can't happen, but you've got to have a certain protocol that your pastor's good with that. And you've, you know, uh, we had a situation in our church where we had this guy come into our church and I was one of the elders, and so, you know, we watch, we watch for people, and I saw him with a group of our young people there, so I didn't know the guy, so I walk over, said, hey, how you doing? He goes, hi, my name's Joe, and I said, hi, Joe, hope there's no Joes here, I said, hi, Joe, um, what are you doing? He goes, well, I got a, I'm a, I'm a prophet, and I got, I got some words for these kids. I said, oh, really? Hey, listen, awesome. I, I really appreciate your gift, but, you know, we don't really know you, so I'm going to ask you to not prophesy to these kids, because they're our responsibility and we're stewarding and shepherding their lives. So I'm just going to ask you to not do that. He goes, well, I got a word for you. I said, oh, okay. And then before I could say anything, he starts prophesying to me. And, and uh, he prophesies like, you're going to go to North Bay. Well, first of all, he said, I'm going to plant a church in North Bay. Like, does anybody know where North Bay is? Okay, it's really cold. Like, if you know me, I'm not going to the cold. I'm going to Florida. Like, Honestly, I, I go to Asia. I, I said to my wife, we're not here this time of year. Like the only time I'm here is Christmas time. Most times this time, I was supposed to be in Australia. I was supposed to be in Asia, Singapore, this time right now. It's their summer. It's, it's their summer. It's, I, I plan my vacation or my schedule, pardon me. I plan my schedule that way, right? So like I'm not going to North Bay. So I said to him, hey, you know, listen, I'm going to ask you to stop. I said, first of all, that does not witness with me at all. Second of all, I've asked you to stop. Well, I'm a prophet. Well, God bless you. Come on with me. And I walked that prophet right out the door and said, don't come back. And he never came back. Because he, he, he didn't stay within the protocols of what we wanted for what, we, what our community was, right? So we wanted our people to be encouraged, lifted up, strengthened. So honestly... Um, one, of the, uh, one of the words in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to say it's around verse 7, I think. I always get these, these verses mixed up, but it says, The manifestation of the Spirit is for the profit of all. P-R-O-F-I-T. 
the prophet of all. That Greek word is the word simpharo, right? So think about it. When you hear the word simpharo, what do you think of? Symphony, right? So I, 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 it, the actual means, the word means to advance and come together. It means to bring together. So when I, when I hear that word, I hear symphony. So think about a symphony for a minute. Before, I'm not a big symphony guy. But, you know, before the symphony starts, right? You got dude over here banging on the drums, right? You got another guy going, and you got another person with their violin, you know, stringing their instruments, and it's a chaotic sound, right? doesn't mean anything. And then the conductor comes up, right? And he flicks his tails. And then he just goes. And this beautiful sound comes out, right? See, the manifestation of the spirit is for the symphony of all. And so it isn't about you getting your gift and making sure that everybody notices you. It's everybody working together. So the nursery workers, their gift is looking after those little gaffers. And as they work with them, they're exercising their gift. And they're making this beautiful thing, beautiful sound. And the ushers are doing their job. And they're doing this beautiful sound. And the musicians are creating this sound. And then you come in and you got a word for that person sitting beside you. And all of a sudden, during the midst of prayer, you say, hey, I got this word. Does this, yes, it makes sense, yes. And everybody's working and functioning together. It's a beautiful manifestation of the Holy Spirit. All right, any other questions? <laughs> yeah. Could you talk just a little bit about the mechanics of how you receive a word? Sure. Uh, Great. Yeah, all of that. All of it. Honestly, I, so I, I don't go in with any preconceived things uh like sometimes you'll go into meetings where the um pastor will say here's the list of people and so then you get time to pray over them and and but for me it's more along the lines of you know I kind of just try to settle my heart you know just get my heart settled and then say holy spirit what do you want and what I have found this just works for me the first thought is generally the best thought if I take a thought and then I try to dissect it and then I question it and, and then I miss it and then I go off into, to me, it's the first thought and then I jump out, right? It's the scripture in Ezekiel to me where Ezekiel says, you know, go to your ankles, then to your knees and then to your waist and then you get in the water and swim. So for me, sometimes that's what, how it is. Like I'll come in, I'll stand over a person and I'll, I'll just sense... Uh, and I, I, I've gotten away from saying, thus saith the Lord. I've done that, and, and I can do that. But I, I always go, hey, I really have this sense and feeling. And, the, and then, uh, and then I'm, I'm waiting to see. Like, is there, is, there, is there some acceptance of that? And then I, okay, now I'm, I'm waiting in. I'm waiting in. I'm waiting in. And then, and then by that time, there's deeper, maybe deeper revelation coming. Scripture, a deeper thought. That's, that's one tack. Sometimes I just know, boom, I'm going to jump in, and I'm just going to get out there. And that waiting to see if there's an acceptance doesn't even really happen too much anymore because we're in Asia. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. Again, what I have found is the more you exercise your gift, the greater your capacity. 
You, you just got to, you got to, like, everything's done by faith, guys, right? And so if you, so here, here's, here's, um, here, here, let me give you some pro- protocols, and this might help. I always share God's thoughts with love. So um, I never let my emotions take hold. I'm a, I cry. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking, you know, there was one time we were in a presbytery, and this couple came up, and the other guy I was with, we just both put our hands on, our, on the shoulder of this couple, and we just started sobbing, crying, weeping. <sighs> grief. Like, we just felt this enormous grief. So I, I started prophesying about the God of loss and God's able to restore loss and he's, he's the God of hope and you know, nah, nah. and then my friend just kind of taps me. You know, just kinda, so I, I pull back and he goes, I hear a voice. I hear a voice crying out, Mommy, I'm with Jesus. Well, the whole congregation starts weeping. <laughs> this couple are broken. And then he just, I'm the God of loss, you know, da, 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 da. And so we finish, you know, the couple's hugging us, and, and we go back. I go back to my seat. I go, okay, what were you saying? He goes, I got up into heaven. He said, I saw a crowd of people, and he said, I saw a seven- or eight-year-old little boy running through the crowd, yelling, Mommy, it's okay. I'm with Jesus. What we didn't know was that, family had lost an eight-year-old boy. You know what that taught me? God will go to the deepest part of our life to speak to us if we're open. But you can't let your emotions dictate, right? So another example, I was standing over this couple and the Lord spoke to me. This is what I heard. (sighs) No, I didn't. Uh, I heard, uh, I heard, Tell him I'm going to redress him. He was kind of dressed sloppy. So I heard the Lord say, tell him I'm going to redress him. How do I say that? <laughs> right? So this is a, a thought, is sometimes you may get something. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to say it in that way. There's, a, there's always different ways to say things. So I, I was just saying, God, okay, you want me to redress him? Okay, he's a slob right now. Uh, if I say you're a slob, I'm, I'm, the meeting's over. So then the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm going to bring him into two worlds. So I said, you know, bro, I just got to tell you this. Uh, I said, I see you in two worlds. I see you first in a world that's just kind of chilled, relaxed. And I said, I see you just being this man that just knows how to hang out with your buds. You know, you're in tracksuit. You're just kind of hanging out, partying. But you, you know how to communicate. But God wants to put you in a suit. He wants to put you in a business suit where you can go into boardrooms and you could just have a, an excellence about you where you would just articulate and speak. Ba-da-da-da-da. And I look at him and he go, I go, you good with that? He goes, yeah. And then I turned to his wife. I said, how about you? She goes, absolutely not. Just like that, in front of the whole congregation. I'm going there in a couple of weeks. And uh, I was like, I was like, well, you know, uh, so I, I mean, immediately fear got in my, in my heart. So I said, um, you know, look, your pastor's right here. So I said, if, if I got something wrong, you know, I, he'll figure it out. Like, my intent was not to, you know, I, I'm really sorry. But the Lord spoke to me and said, tell him again. 
So I just went to him. I said, hey, uh, listen, bro, I got something else here. And I just, I mean, right again. I said, you good with that? He goes, yeah. I mean, he was just moved. I didn't even look at her. I walked away. I, I, just got, I, I literally went over. I got to prophesy over more people, right? So, I, I mean, my insides were coming unglued. I'm only talking three years ago. I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And the Holy Spirit said, settle down. So I've learned in those moments, I'm smiling, but in my spirit, I just began to pray. Shut up, Holy Spirit. I walked up to this lady, and I started prophesying. She goes, yes, yes. So I thought, okay, I'm good. I go to the next person. <laughs> and I do this, I do this whole, like, uh, we're going to, I twirl her around. I said, you're in a turnaround season. Come on, just turn around, turn around, turn around. And I said, you know, there's been marital issues. And I said, I want you to know something. He's going to say, can I come home? She just looked at me like I was from another planet. I said, it's a turnaround day. And that was it. And so I finish. The whole pastoral staff comes up and goes, what are we going to do? That woman was one of our staff pastors. I'm like, hey, don't worry about it. Your pastor's right there. You know, figure it out. It's not my problem, right? So he came to me after and he said, Gary, he said, your word was right on. He said, actually, just this week, he said, I'm from a Fortune 500 background. I hired him because I wanted him to reach a certain group of people because he was gifted that way. He said, but I just told him this week, he's got to start dressing better. He said, she wanted you to talk about their music ministry and you didn't. Saturday night or Sunday. You prophesied over Saturday night and you prophesied over Sunday and you didn't say anything about their music ministry. I said, okay, I don't know. You know, people say to me, hey, do you remember what I prophesied? Uh, no, I prophesied of 400 people last week. I have no idea what I prophesied to you, right? So Tuesday morning, I get a phone call from the pastor. He goes, hey, remember that lady, the turnaround lady? I go, yeah. He goes, Gary, I didn't even know this. He said, but her and her husband were separated. He said, um, there was some kind of emotional affair thing going on. She said, he said, when she got home that afternoon, he called her and said, this morning, the Lord has been dealing with me. I have repented of my, my sins. And he said, I want to call you and repent for my actions. And can I come home? That was his words. You know what that taught me? Is never let fear take hold of your life. Let faith always be your portion. Speak in faith. Now, if you do it with love, even if you're wrong, it's okay. I've been wrong. I went up to this lady one time. I said, hey, um, just really sense, like, are you struggling with, like, uh, maybe, like, eating, uh, eating or disorder? Or, you know, I just really sense it. She goes, no, Gary. She says, I'm just skinny. I said, oh. She goes, but it's okay, man. I love you. You did that so nice. I said, okay. I'm learning. She's in my church. I see her all the time. We're good friends, right? Well, I was just learning. I'm, it's okay. It's okay to get something wrong, right? 
See, you're not a false prophet you get something wrong. You're a false prophet if you drive people away from Jesus. You know, if you're all about drawing people to yourself, that's when you become a false prophet. False prophet's not somebody who gets something wrong. Hey, we're practicing, we're learning, right? Any more questions? I love the questions. They're great, yeah. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I think you got to, you, well, you got to guard your heart. Um, you know, someone asked me just recently, they said, what have you learned in 35 years? What, like, what is the main lesson? And I think the, probably the biggest lesson for me is guard your heart at all times, and naturally now, I'm trying to guard my heart, but spiritually, guard your heart at all times, so ideally, maturing, you don't want to do those kinds of things, there's one thing where you're just kind of not feeling it, as opposed to, there are times when I'm not feeling like I should prophesy, but that's more because I feel like the enemy's beating me up, and so I will push through, and I will prophesy, I'll prophesy just to beat the enemy up, right? And so um, whether I feel like it or not. So we don't live by feelings. We live by faith. We don't live by just what we see or how we feel. We live by faith. So I would say you've got to address that in your heart. And if, you're, if it's toward, towards a person, um, you know, maybe have a conversation with them. Say, hey, wh- how do you feel about that? Like, you know, did you feel that... Um, met you and, and ministered to you. Well, no, not really. You know what? I really want to apologize. I, maybe I was a little off that day. There's nothing wrong with doing that. I, I've done that a few times. Well, more than a few times. <laughs> but I think as you mature, you, you don't want as many of those, right? You just, you want to, you want to, you just want to be, you know, moving in the Holy Spirit. The one thing I would say about prophetic people, and this is, um, this is probably where I, I see it a lot. There's a lot out there. There's a lot of weird stuff out there in the prophetic. Don't be weird. Like, just be normal. Really. Like, I see so much weirdness in the, in the, in the, like, in the name of God. Like, it's just crazy stuff. Like, high-level guys who operate in the prophecy should never be in the, in the prophetic office, in my estimation, because they're, they're just whacked. They just do things that are just so unethical and ungodly. Um, that's one level. But as, as people, like, be normal. Like, like if you're going to prophesy, like, you don't go, how art thou, thou, thou woman of God? I come to you today and I declare over you the goodness of God. You know, change your, like, I don't do that. I, I talk normal, right? Like, like if I'm in a restaurant, I'm not going to go to somebody, hey, I, I got a word for you. Okay, here's the word. Right? Or, or no, honestly, like in church we do this, and I'm, I'm not, I don't know your church, so please, if I, I'm not here to try to offend you. I, this is all over the world. People like, getting ready to prophesy. Where did we learn that? 
I can't do that in a boardroom. Honestly, like if I go into a boardroom where they're all suits, I'm dressed like this, right? I go in, they're all in suits, probably $1,000 Armani suits. I mean, some of these women were dressed to the nines, right? And I can't go in there and go, hello, I'm, uh, I'm the holy man of God, and I'm here today. I just got to be normal. Like, you got to be normal. Like, like, talk normal. Hey, I really sense this. And I, 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 I go with a guy, and he is like, he's, like he's, uh, he's a black guy, and he just talks like a black guy. If, if I can say it that way, like he's just, he's just how he was raised. I love how he prophesies, you know, like, dude, like, man, bro, you're going to like, awesome. I'm not trying to change your vernacular, right? Just be you. You is okay, right? Learn to be just you. I think that's a good thing, right? Anybody else? Hope I didn't offend anybody there. But I, I, I mean, I, I, I've... I've had pastors come in and say, would you kind of teach on the protocol of how you would do going into a boardroom? Because um, we've got people who are just, they never get near a boardroom. They get thrown out, right? So we, we, gotta, we just got to be, I think, aware of our, our atmospheres and circumstances. I was, in a, I was in a hotel, and about three chairs over, there was a lady sitting there, and she was... She's grunting and groaning. So I knew she had a rough night. So, but the, I said, Holy Spirit, what's your deal? And the Lord spoke to me very clearly. And so I thought, if I go over there now, she's going to throw her food at me because she was miserable. So I thought, I'm going to see her. I'll see her throughout the day. And we were in this city, in a small city, and I did happen to see her a few times. She wasn't a Christian. At the end of the day, we were in Laos, actually, in communist Laos. And, um, and so at the end of the day, there's this market, and uh, it's down by the Mekong River. So I was buying a, uh, my wife a Gucci bag, about $15. It was awesome, <laughs> from, from Thailand. And uh, I happened to see her. So I said to my friend who was there, I said, hey, stop her while I get my Gucci bag. <laughs> so I got him down to 10 bucks. It was awesome. And uh, so I walk up to her. I said, hey, how you doing? And, and I said, what's your name? She goes, my name's Lindsay. I said, Lindsay. I said, my name's Gary, and this is uh, um, my friend Jay. I said, we're pastors. And I said, um, you know, sometimes God speaks to us. And I said, I saw you at the hotel this morning. She goes, oh, I saw you. And I said, I said do you mind um, if I kind of share what God told me about you? She kind of looks at me and goes, like, I get a lot, lot of looks like that, right? She goes, okay. So I said, I said, well, the first thing I want you to know is that God loves you. And she started crying. And I said, you know, I think what I hear God saying to me is that um, you're running from a lot of pain and hurt. And you're trying to find yourself. She like put her head on my shoulder in the middle of the market. She was crying on my Gucci bag. 
I mean, she just sobbing. It was like awkward, you know, like, and I just put my arm around her and said, Lindsay, you know, God cares about you and he wants to heal your heart and you've been broken. You're, there's a broken, and so I, like when that happens, it just starts like revelation, words of knowledge. They said, you've been in a relationship and he hurt you and he beat you. And she said, and I said, you know, but God, he loves you. He cares about you. And I mean, just, just in this moment and, and I said, like, would you like us to pray for you? And she said, yes, pray for me. And then uh, I said, why don't you go back to your room and why don't you just invite Jesus into your heart and just talk to him? And, and, uh, and that was it. That was how normal it was. It was that kind of a norm. Like, it got kind of weird at the point with, the, with her crying, but that's how normal it is. See, you got to be able to sit in a restaurant and talk to your waitress if God leads you and, and do it in a, in a normal way. Hey, I really sense this. I've led waitresses to the Lord. I've led cab drivers to the Lord. I've, I've, I've stopped people on the streets and said, hey, are you struggling with this? Yes. How did you know that? Ah, oh, you know, well, let me pray for you. Very simple. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say prophecy is, uh, on one level, it's sharing God's thoughts. On another level, it's sharing God's thoughts about the future. Um, you know, it's, it's hearing from God, his thoughts for another person, right? And so, generally, it's words of encouragement, comfort, um, in specific, it could be directional, uh, like, you know, the guy, dude, you're going to go to Wales, right? Um, that would be what I would say. A word of knowledge to me is a, it's facts that you don't know, generally related to the past or the present. It's not future. Prophecy is more future. Uh, word of knowledge is facts about the present and, and the past. So, you know, I was in this boardroom. And I come to this girl, she's pretty much the toughest nut in the group. Like, she's looking at me like, you know, who are you? And, and I heard Hong Kong. That's all I heard, Hong Kong. Well, they're all Asians. Somebody in the room is from Hong Kong. So I said, um, I, said I, I hear Hong Kong. And out of the corner of my eye, I see the owner go, she just clapping her eyes out. This lady looks like this, she does. Just looks at me. I said, do you know the Bible? I, I said, no. I said, do you know um, Joseph in the Bible? She goes, I don't read the Bible. I said, well, let me tell you this story. And so I tell the whole story of Joseph. And I key on two things, Ephraim and Manasseh. The Lord has caused me to forget, and the Lord has made me fruitful. And I said, Joseph said at one point in his life, he said, um, after all the pain and turmoil, he said, I'm in the place of God. And I said, he said, I've, God has caused me to forget my pain and he's caused me to be fruitful. And I said, you've had pain in your life from your father and your family. And now I'm, I got my eyes closed. I'm behind her. My wife's watching her and she's doing this. 
And, um, and I unlocked a couple things about her past. And she just, she, like, she's doing everything not to cry. And then I said, and I believe Hong Kong is the place of your fruitfulness. Where God's going to meet you and he's going to make you fruitful. Blah, blah, blah. So see what I did? I took a scripture and I applied it to a life prophetically. You're never wrong if you apply scripture to people's lives. You can never go wrong. Um, so at the end, you know, I finished prophesying. The owner says to me, we got to talk about Hong Kong. I said, sure, talk about Hong Kong. She goes, for the last three weeks, even as late as yesterday, we have been asking her to start a branch of our company in Hong Kong. And she has been wondering whether she should go to Hong Kong. So, you know, that, that would be a word of knowledge, right? Prophecy, word of knowledge linked together. And obviously, word, like all the gifts, really, they can all flow together, right? They can function together. So word of knowledge and healing, you know, prophecy and word of knowledge, you know, discerning, gift of discernment. Can all of those things can function and flow together. You don't have to just be one one area. I, when I read the nine gifts, I said, God, I want them all. I didn't think that was greedy. I just said, God, I want them all. And honestly, for the most part, I would say I've functioned in most of them. I've had, in parts of my life, I've done most of them. The only one I haven't done is the gift of tongues, where I, like my interpretation of the gift of tongues would be the ability to speak in an unknown language in a, in a, in a place. I know people who've done it. I know people who do it. Um, but, you know, that's the only one. I, I'm still working up to faith, you know. I, I, when I pray in my spirit, I sometimes feel like I'm praying Mandarin. And I tell my Chinese friends, hey, when I do this, does this sound like Mandarin? They laugh at me. <laughs> that's okay. I have a program on my phone that I can speak Mandarin. So every once in a while, I just pray in tongues. And it interprets things. It n makes no sense. But every once in a while, I say camel bear you know it doesn't make sense but they laugh at me but it's okay we're, we're friends anybody else give you one more one more question and then we'll i'll jump out and prophesy over some people who wants a prophecy oh everyone okay let me just quickly if i could uh what I would say, just run through these. They're probably things that you would know, but they're, they're what I call prophetic protocols if you're going to function in prophecy. They're, they're so crucial. Number one, always share your thoughts, uh, God's thoughts in love, right? Uh, the day of, like, the angry prophet should be gone, right? We're under grace. And so um, I don't believe in angry prophecy. I don't believe in negative prophecy, uh, you're probably not going to hear a negative prophecy out of me. I just don't believe it. I don't believe it's for now. Um, I, 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 I think there's, even if it's, there's something that could be negative to share, there's always a positive way to share it that doesn't dehumanize the person, but actually gets the point across. Now, there have been moments where correction, so I've been in situations where I felt like uh, as they brought me in that I'm prophesying over somebody and I feel the Holy Spirit, tell me some things that would be corrective to that person. 
I'm, I would never do it publicly. I would go to the pastor and say, Pastor, I have a word that I feel is corrective in nature to this person, and this is what I feel. And Pastor, what do you think? And if and the pastor agrees and says yes, then I'm going to go with the pastor, and I'm going to sit with that person, and I'm going to correct them. I'm going to bring a prophecy and let the pastor then steward that with that person. But it's not going to be like you're full of sin, la, 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 la. It's going to be a pastoral correction prophetically. Does that make sense? And so that, that's a high-level thing. That's not given to everybody. Nobody should be correcting anybody. Um, it should be, like I honestly, I believe all correction should come from the shepherd. But in a prophetic office, when I'm brought in, if there's something, then it's always going to be working in direction and consultation with the pastor. Number two, don't allow your emotions to determine your use of your gift. No fear, no anger. Um, share according to your faith. Not presumption, but faith right? Uh, have a clear conscience. So you got to have a clear conscience in your heart, in your mind. Um, there's been moments where I feel like maybe I'm not in a right mindset, right uh, time to, to go into prophecy. I'll hold back for a little bit, just kind of pray, get my heart, get my spirit uh, uh, correct. Um, very similar. Have the right motivation. It's not about you. It's not about your gift. It's about how can I build people up? Right? How can I build people up? Uh, avoid being demonstrative, dramatical, theatrical, or showy. I see it all the time. Really. I've worked with some guys. I just think, wow, like, how do I follow that? That was like drama city. Like, you know, just try not to be that way. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just be normal. Um, when ministering to the opposite success, opposite sex, always be careful. Took a young guy out one time, <laughs> and we're praying for people. It's a dark night, you know. Every the lights are out, and he and and you know we're praying for people, and he put his hand on this person <laughs> right here, and he realized, oh my lord, this is a woman. Pulled his hand off, looked at her, said, I'm sorry. She didn't look like a guy. Or, pardon me, she didn't look like a girl. And he learned a lesson. Just be careful where you put your hands. Right? I, I didn't know this. I, I'm a toucher. I, I, I'll come up to people and I'll do this. And, and so I remember one of the first times I went to Asia and it was, you know, Asia's hot, right? And so all the girls were wearing, like, uh, what do they call them? Uh, string thing. Yeah, spaghetti straps, whatever, you know, I don't know. So I just put my hand like this, right? And one of the pastors came up, up to me after and said, hey, um, like, like uh, you didn't do anything inappropriate, but, you know, uh, could you not put your hands on bare skin? Okay, no problem. <laughs> uh, no problem. So, again, you know, just you got to be real careful with that kind of stuff. Um, you know, every once in a while. So, uh, and I've done this, and it's always uh, from a permission level, is I always, uh, when I'm working with unsaved people or, or people I don't know, hey, do you mind if I share something with you? I'm, I'm honoring them. See, if I get their permission, then I'm going to be able to go. But if I just say, hey, I got a word for you, I'm going to give it to you. What if they're not ready? So ask permission. Same thing. If, if I feel like, you know, sometimes I, guys or girls, I feel like I, I just feel like they need a hug. 
They just need a father's love. Um, hey, do you mind if I just give you a hug? You know, girls, yes! Well, I'm always very careful with that, but I want them to know, hey, as a dad, I'm, I'm a dad, right? I'm a grandpa now, papa, you know? Um, hey, I want to love you. I want to hold you. I want, I want you to know that you're loved and you're cared for. And that one action can actually become the catalyst to break things off people's lives if it's done right. Um, don't allow people to worship you. You're not that good. Stay humble. Really, stay humble. Um, don't be a lone ranger. Learn to minister with others. We're part of a team. We're part of a group of people working together. So um, that's why we, we want to prophesy together. Keep it short and relatable. Again, relatable, right? Like, it doesn't matter if you're the most creative, dynamic, color. you see colors, and if it doesn't make sense, it's just a beautiful picture, right? I've had, I had this happen to me just recently. Uh, a, a business friend of mine called me and he said, hey, a guy gave me one word, heron. What do you think that means? I said, I have no clue. Go and ask him. I said, ask him what he meant by that. And he goes, okay, I will. I said, now, I'm going to tell you what I think Heron means. There's a guy in the Bible named Heron. And there's a place called Heron. And when uh, um, Abraham's father, he stopped in Heron. He had a son named Heron who died. And he stopped in Heron. And some people will say, if you, and, and he, the Bible says he was going to the promised land, but he stayed in Heron and he died there. And so he never got to his promised land. And so maybe he died uh, there because he couldn't get over his greatest relational pain, the loss of his son named Heron. And he stayed in Heron. And he never got to the promised land. So that's one, uh, that's one thing. The other one is, is that that was also the place where he stored up riches for Abraham so that Abraham, when Abraham got to the promised land, he was full of riches. And so maybe it's, I said, now, because I know you, I would say that that was the latter. It's not that the, oh, the, um, the pain is that you're a godly man who's storing riches up for your generations to generations to generations. And this is the season of, of storing and fruitfulness. And he goes, oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. So a couple of weeks later, maybe a month later, I'm having breakfast with a guy, a friend, of, we're, we're three friends, this guy and this other guy. And I said, um, and the, the business guy said to me, he's the guy that said about Heron. Well, he's a friend, and, and I've been training him. I said, you just said Heron to him? What does that mean? And he goes, Pastor, I know. He says, I know. He said, the Lord spoke to me this morning that I needed to add to that. And he said, so this is what it was, that you're going to be fruitful in the land, and you're going to store up riches for your, for your children. I said, now that's better. <laughs> right? So... It was a teaching moment for him to, to learn, hey, you just can't give one word. Like, like, give some substance. So again, if you're people of this, you're always going to have substance. If you're people of, oh, I feel. I feel the birds. I feel the wind. You'll have no substance. But if you know your Bible, then all of a sudden you can, the wind, hang on, Acts chapter 2. The power of the Holy Spirit came like a wind powerfully. Hey, I just sense the wind of God's going to come in you, and he's going to put power in you, and it's going to give you power to be a witness. All of a sudden, you've taken that esoterical wind, and you've begun to 
bring it scripturally into a way to prophesy. Amen? All right, let's prophesy. <laughs> Any other questions? Yeah. You got to trust the voice. You got to trust your gift. You got to trust the Holy Spirit loves you and He loves that person. So uh, I always do this scripture, right? I think it's John. I want to say John ten twenty seven. It may not be that scripture, that verse, but the Bible says Jesus said, "My sheep hear my voice." Right? How many sheep do we have here? Everybody should go, bah. <laughs> right? We should hear his voice, right? So we're going to hear his voice. So what I would say to that is if God gives me something like that, this is where I don't jump is I wait. I wait on the Lord. And I say, God, what do you, what do you, want, what do you want to know? What do you, what do you want me to share about that? And then things come. So then it becomes an issue of, okay, what do, I, what do I choose, right? So when I'm standing over somebody, I can have 10 different thoughts that come to my mind. I have to discern what's the most important thought that this person needs to have right now. And if I've got time, I'll give more. But maybe there's just one thought that I can do. So you have to trust that. And the only way I can explain the development of that is you do it over and over and over again, and you get feedback. You get feedback. So many times to this day, after a meeting of 15 people, 20 people, I'll sit with them and say, give me some feedback. Tell me what you thought. I'm not afraid of, I didn't understand that. It's okay. I didn't either. Trust God. I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah. You've been sitting for a long time. You're welcome to get out your phones. Mail-in is recorded in a general way, but you don't want to have to go through two hours of tape, right? So get out your phones if you're going to get ministered to. Thank you, Gary. That's excellent. That's good. Yeah. There's a few more that I'll give later, maybe tomorrow. But uh, all right, you guys can be seated. Let's just pray in the spirit. Can we do that? Just kind of pray in tongues. Close your eyes. Come on, stir your spirit up. Stir your spirit up. Hallelujah. What's your name? Lindsay, right? Yeah. A couple things came to my mind, Lindsay. The first one is I just saw a beautiful creative ability on your life. I saw you uh, just having um, uh, 
gifts uh, really to create. And I don't know if that's administratively or um, even technologically, but I just saw the Spirit of the Lord just come over you, even musically. This this is just a great grace on you that God is going to expand in the next uh, season of your life. You're going to find yourself uh, dipping into different pools, as it were, different uh, uh, avenues of expression, avenues of creativity. And uh, the Lord is going to um, increase that in your life. And it's actually going to become a source of uh, great joy and great release uh, in the prophetic in your life where you're going to find yourself. Uh, I don't know if this means anything to you, but I just see prophetic art, almost kind of this beautiful display of God working through you um, to uh, to to declare the goodness and the faithfulness of God. To declare the goodness and the faithfulness of God. You are, uh, you're more than uh, what you actually think sometimes about you. And I want you to know something, that God's the healer of, of our days. He's the healer of our hearts. He's the healer of, of yesterdays. And uh, he's the one that gives us great promise for tomorrow, great promises for the future, that all the promises of God are yes and amen to them who believe. So, sweetheart, I just want to encourage you that the Lord loves you deeply. He's seen the, he's seen the process of your life, where you've walked and where you've, uh, you've gone, but he is the keeper of your heart, and he will always be the one that holds your heart. And as he holds your heart, he will uh, he'll do even greater things uh, from you. He'll do things in you that you would not even imagine. So get ready. I, I, I feel like this is going to be a new season of creativity and flow on your heart. There's also, I hope this makes sense to you, there, there's a tremendous administrative gift on you. I felt, as I walked over to you, I just thought, this girl uh, has got the goods to really be an organizer and to organize and administrate, not necessarily do everything, but to know where, what needs to get done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What's your guys' names? You guys married? Yeah. yeah. Jared and Andrea. Jared and Andrea, okay. So the thought that comes to my mind was I saw the tip of a spear and uh, I saw both of you as like um, a couple that's on the tip of the spear. You're actually going before others and you're uh, going to be used in a very unique way to penetrate um, areas of what I would say was almost kind of culture, you know, voices of criticism, voices of negativity. God is going to use you to speak into them and, and uh, to be uh, a weapon in his hand, to be articulate and um, to have answers and reasons for uh, things that are troubling people. You're going to be a couple that will have insight into the heart of man and into the heart of women. And you're going to find yourselves... Uh, uh, at times sitting even with young uh, young professionals, young, I don't know if it's students, but just this whole genre of young adult age people and helping them dissect the confusion of their heart, confusion of their life. You're going to speak into them faith and hope and peace. 
and uh, what's going to transpire in the in the the seasons of your life. You'll find yourself teaching and equipping. You'll teach um, them to know how to take the chaos of their life and bring order to it, how to bring uh, almost steps upon step, step upon step, um, details of order and function. Uh, I, I feel like in my spirit for you, uh, sweetheart, is what I hear in my heart is the Lord is going to give you the ability to have a grace to teach the very practical things of life the very practical things of life and working with, um, I just hear this word, I don't, know if, don't even know if this makes sense to you, but uh, I just heard neonatal. Uh, I don't know if uh, you're involved in anything medical, but I just saw you speaking to families who are struggling in those areas and I just see the Spirit of the Lord giving you wisdom to know how to bring peace in dark places, peace in dark situations. And your words will be like a bomb. They'll be like healing balm. And you won't need to go looking for it. It'll come looking for you. You'll find yourselves uh, having conversations with people who are in the midst of very traumatic and difficult seasons, but God will use you as voices of wisdom and voices of hope and voices of peace to bring out of that situation the chaos into order in Jesus' name. Amen. your name? Alexi. Alexi. So uh, two things came to my mind. The first one was um, I saw you, uh, I saw you uh, I saw you on a horse, actually, and I don't think I've ever seen anybody on a horse, but I saw you on a horse. And what I saw is I just saw you galloping. I just saw the, you and the horse galloping, and I just saw um, just this unbelievable uh, freedom uh, in, in your journey. I, I really sense in my spirit that this is going to be a season of great freedom in your journey. You're going to feel like a wind at your, like the wind's in your face and it's just blowing your hair back and you're just laughing and there's just this beautiful sense of uh, life picking up speed. And um, maybe because I saw Secretariat the other week, but I, I, just see, I just see you like that. You're just kind of running the wind, you know, and uh, just going for everything that's before you, that there isn't really any obstacles that are, are before you in this next season. That's the first thing. The second thing was Isaiah 40, uh, I think it's 43, 18 and 19. It says, do not remember the former things, for behold, I will do a new thing. Will it not spring up? Will it not spring up? And uh, I, I just feel like the word of the Lord to you is uh, to behold, to open your eyes and know that God is about to do new things. And you're not to remember the former things. They're actually behind you. They're so far behind you now um, that this is a new season. It's, it's a season of new things, new beginnings, and actually um, new acceleration in your journey. I, I don't know what you do, young lady, but I just sense in my heart that you're about to accelerate into a new pace 
and a new speed. And, um, and you know, there's, there's going to be great joy and great freedom in this next season. Get ready because it's going to be the marking of your life where you're going to um, be able to help others know how to navigate um, you just know, know how to navigate the past into the present and into the future in Jesus name. Guys together? Yeah? Married? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was prophesying over a couple. They weren't even married. I got to make sure I ask that now. <laughs> I think they were engaged, but still. You know, uh, I really have this sense in my heart when I stepped up to you too. I, I just heard the word abundance. And uh, I, I love that word because it's actually a, it's a big Bible word actually. It's a huge word. Um, it, it, it entails more than just financial um, provision and prosperity. It, 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 it's encompassing. It's this over, this overriding thought is that more than enough and overflow there's just more than enough and overflow what I sense in my heart for the two of you guys is that you're coming into a season where the Lord you're going listen let me say it this way I believe 2020 is going to be one of the greatest seasons of your life where you're going to walk in great abundance in in many areas of your life if there's one area right now that you would say is not, there's lack in your life or there's something that, that's missing, uh, I, I want to declare to you, I believe this is going to be the year, 2020 is going to be the year of abundance. It's going to be the year of, of overflow in your life. It's going to be the year where you're going to um, step into the reality of the provision and the abundance of God over all that you are, all that you, you do. There's going to come an expansion in your thinking. There's going to come an expansion in your understanding of even what is before you and what God would have for you, that God would want you to understand that there is more. There's more than you could ever imagine. Um, you know, the, the Bible talks about that in Ephesians 3.20, where it says that, um, that uh, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think or imagine. And so I, I just want to encourage you to use this season as you prepare to go into a new year, that to prepare your hearts to begin to declare over those areas where there might be... Um, hindrances, there might be lack, there might be, uh, you know, just this desire for more, that you would begin to declare those into the spirit realm and believe that God would bring you into a season of abundance, that there would be an overflow. Um, you know, there's a, a great scripture. Um, it's one of my favorite uh, passages where Elijah, um, or Elisha, it's Eli Elijah, and um, he says to um, 
uh, Ahab, he says, uh, go up, for there is the sound of abundance. And um, that word sound actually, um, in the Hebrew, it actually can be translated voice. That actually, commentators would say that thunder and lightning is actually the non-speaking part of God. They, they would uh, say that. And, but I, I like that because it's the voice of abundance. In other words, in God's voice, there's always abundance. When God speaks, things begin to happen. And there's something that God is about to do in your lives. You need to get ready for a shift because you're going to step into a, a new season. It's going to be a season where uh, abundance is going to begin to take place. It's because the voice of the Lord is going to speak. And you're going to, get, you're going to need to get ready because his voice is going to come so clearly to you. It's not that other people don't hear God's voice or um, can't hear God's voice, but I want you to know this. I mean, you know, Asians, everybody looks so young and they're not young, but you guys look really young, to be honest with you. You know, um, but in Asia, everybody looks young and they're not. They're, you know, but you guys look young. But, but listen, could you believe God that God could step into your hearts, into your lives, and begin to orchestrate things that would be beyond your even comprehension? That he would begin to step up some things that five years from now, you'd, you'd say, wow, that was significant. That Man, there's so many significant things that are happening in our life. And even, uh, listen to me really carefully, even the ministry of your life. There's more that's going to come out of you in this next season. And so stretch your heart, stretch your faith, believe God that God would take you into a new season of abundance in Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of people. Huh? Yeah, it's 9 o'clock. You're free. It's on you. I was just guarding your, uh, yeah, yeah. your time. Okay. So you it's good so far? You guys appreciate those words? All right. Good. What's your names? Malin and Ruth. Okay. Awesome. What was that again? Malin. Malin. Okay. And Ruth. Okay. Um, Isaiah 50, it says this, it says, um, verse 4, it says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. And um, uh, so I, I really, when I came up to you guys, the first thought that came to my mind is I just sensed the Lord saying, I'm going to open their ears in a greater measure. I'm going to begin to speak to them so clearly about even uh, decisions. This is what I hear in my heart. There's decisions, decisions, decisions. And I just hear the Lord saying, I'm going to uh, bring uh, clarity to you. I'm going to bring a sense of uh, understanding. You're going to find yourselves both waking up in the morning and God is, is speaking in your ear. And uh, you're, not to, um, you're not to doubt that. You're, you're not to um, 
just kind of uh, just doubt it or even push it aside, but let it become the focus of meditation in your heart for that day because the Lord is about to take you on a journey where he's going to disciple you in the ability to hear and to understand his voice in a clearer and even deeper way um, that will bring you uh, not only into revelation and understanding and wisdom concerning decisions um, for not only your own life, but actually for the lives of others, that there's people that are kind of what I feel like in my heart what I'm hearing is there's things that are hanging in the balance that require wisdom and require knowledge and God is going to give you the insights uh, as you awaken it's not going to be um, you know I always want I always want to preface things when you know some people jump out and say okay it's going to happen tomorrow well not always but would you prepare your heart for it? Would you prepare your heart that the Lord would just awaken you? And when he does, know that it's for purpose. It's for significance. It's, it's to actually bring people into greater understanding. Uh, I, I, brother, I just sense in my heart that you're, um, you're going to, uh, there's something with what you do that I believe is very significant that God is going to give you wisdom and you're going to distinguish yourself as a man of wisdom and your words will have impact into the hearts of people, people who are um, concerned and making decisions and needing, uh, just needing a word, a word of wisdom and God's gonna anoint you. What's gonna transpire out of your life is a word of wisdom and what's gonna transpire out of your life is now, hear me when I say this, okay? It's going to be boldness. It's going to be boldness that's going to come out of your life. The second scripture that the Lord spoke to me, uh, and I, I, I believe it's uh, 49 verse 10, Isaiah 49 verse 10. I may be wrong. No, it's not 49. Um, maybe it's 59. The scripture says, uh, be not dismayed, um, do not fear, do, be not dismayed, for I'm the Lord your God, I'm with you. And uh, this thought very strongly came to me is, um, God is going to put a boldness in your spirit, and you're going, to, you're going to feel a shift come in your heart, a shift come in your spirit. Um, I'm not saying you're a fearful, fearful woman, but I feel like at times there's been times where the enemy has put, tried to put fear in your heart to step out. And what I sense in my heart is that God is going to give you such a boldness and, and it's going to come out of these times of prayer. It's going to come out of these moments when you wake up and you're going to feel a boldness come in you and that that hesitation that has been there is no longer going to be there. You're going to step in. And it's going to be amazing the conversations that you're going to have with people. And they're going to say, well, hang on a minute. Where did that come from? And it's going to come out of that moment in prayer, that, that, that waking of God in the moment. God's going to speak so clearly in, into your heart. It's going to be amazing. So both of you, I just sense that wisdom and boldness will be your portion in this next season in Jesus' name. Amen. 4110. Thank you. It's good that somebody knows their Bible here. All right. All right. Your names are? Jim and Kim. Jim and Kim. Awesome.
Well, you know, I just sense in my heart, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is that this is a couple that's kind of gone around the tracks a lot. <laughs> um, you've been in, you, this is not your first rodeo. <laughs> if, you can, if you can get that thing, there's been a lot of stuff. There's been a lot of stuff going on here and lots of, um, uh, lots of stuff. You know, sometimes it's, there's been misunderstandings. There's been, um, uh, you know, people have, have said, done things. There's been misunderstandings. There's been um, conflict. There's been, uh, there's been people have walked away. There's, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, you live, you live, Christ, you live for Christ any length of time. You're going to feel uh, hurt. You're going to feel pain, you're going to feel rejection, and yet there's just this still hunger and desire to want to engage in the right things and engage, and so I, I really believe that over the next, um, listen to this very carefully, I believe in the next six to eight months, six to eight months, that this is going to be a season of God just working uh, deeper wholeness and healing into your spirit so that it becomes now a platform of even greater grace and greater healing. Um, you're going to see the Lord use you guys in, uh, even if I can say it this way, like, uh, like healing uh, ministry where your words will bring bring wholeness and healing to people. Um, it, it's going to come out of the journey that God's going to take you on, where God will speak through you, and he will work in you uh, a wonderful work of God. It'll be, um, you know, this is a great word I'm, I'm meditating on. I've been meditating on for probably four months now, and it's the word convergence. The word convergence is, it's, it's a great word because it, it's like everything that you've done just kind of converges. Things all come together and it's just, it's just this moment where you feel like you're in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing and saying the right things and everything seems to come together. It's like everything else that you went through, it's all worth it for this moment. And that's what I sense is that you're going to come into this season of convergence where you're going to go, man okay, that's, that's it. it. Wow, it's just, it's just going to be a great joy of convergence in your heart. And you're going to recognize that God is in it, that God's been in all of it. He hasn't missed any, any, he hasn't missed anything of it. And as you walk, you're going to sense a, a greater joy in your, in your footsteps. And you're going to, you're going to sense a greater, um, abandonment even to the things of God. Um, now, I, I just met you, so I don't know what you do, but I'm going to tell you what I feel like the Spirit of the Lord is saying to me, um, and this is specific, that there's family that is going to be shifted in this season for you guys. I don't know if it's family around you or family that's away from you, but I sense in my heart what I hear the Lord saying is I'm going to move um, I'm going to shift some family things, and I'm, I'm going to bring about a transformation in the hearts, in the hearts of people. And you're going to see it. It's going to, it's going to, be, it's going to be a beautiful thing. It's actually going to be, um, it's like we're walking into winter now, but you're going to be in the springtime season. It's going to be a beautiful season where things are blooming that what you've prayed for, what you've, you've thought 
um, you've believed God for it. Even, even sometimes maybe you just kind of lost hope, but you're going to see a blooming of those things come to pass in Jesus' name. You're going to experience um, a beautiful, beautiful revival. Listen to me. I, I don't know if all your family say, but I feel like that you're going to experience a beautiful revival in your family. There's going to be something going to be very, very significant that's going to draw, just draw out in this next season. It's going to be a, a it's it's going to be a blooming. Um, yeah, Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, that's all I got.